judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Happy July. Oh my gosh. And is it July? It is is like the hottest July. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's still early. So, like, it is, but it's going to get worse. It was like June was very spring like here. And then suddenly July hit and it was like, oh no, summer. Yeah, we got you. (laughs) Yeah, I've been like really main, like, watching how often I go outside. Like, I'm outside and I'm like, oh, it's gross out here. And then I'm inside very quickly. So, yeah. Yep, I yep, managed yep. to avoid it. Yeah, between the is. smoke, the, like, because some days are still the air, yeah. you can catch a little bit of smoke. Nothing like that day. Thanks, Canada. With the orange skies, but <laughs> thanks, global warming and yeah, capitalism. Right? Like <laughs> apparently, like, they don't have enough, or they didn't have enough uh, fire people to, like, put it out. Oh, cool. I wonder if they have, like, you know how we have some parts of New York have, like, volunteer yeah most a lot of small towns do i think fucking crazy to me and i would be i couldn't live in that town because what if there's like not to gender it so much but what if it's like the super bowl you think everybody's leaving their house you think like david's putting down his beer to like go put your house out when it's i don't know how that works i think it's not that's not yeah no (laughs) none of that is football (laughs) i was like i'm just gonna let that one go The game is tied and the bases are looted and no one's leaving to put your house out. <laughs> Good luck to you. Volunteer fire people. That's yeah. Yeah. No, I the first town I lived in or the first town I remember living in growing up had that. And it was like a volunteer fire and rescue. Mm, okay. So and I remember my mom telling this story about when she went into labor with my sister that the volunteer like ambulance person who showed up was like her little brother who was like seven years younger's best friend so it was like no. someone that she knew Mm-mm. growing up and he was she was like no no but like what could you now do he's gonna look at her person? cervix no absolutely well, not it wasn't even said, that. another one it wasn't even that it was just like getting her like getting her settled and getting her like breathe like she's like i don't mm-hmm. want to listen to you <laughs> you're my kid brother's best friend <laughs> that's so that feels like a like a Saved by the Bell plot or something. <laughs> like an 80s story or 90s story. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, I like, you know, we're talking about how hot it is. And mm-hmm. so this is related, I promise. But are you familiar with Shiracha sauce? Yes. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah. It's like my favorite. It's uh-huh. something that Sean introduced to me like 20 years ago that he was introduced to when he worked in a Chinese restaurant. All this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, we've just been using it forever and right now it's not being made because the guy who makes the sauce there's like an ingredient that he can't get a hold of and he won't make it without the ingredient because it will like compromise the sauce or something like that i don't know i don't know i know okay i do because my husband's obsessed with stuff like this so the sriracha people decided that they didn't so I'm going to tell this badly and he's he's probably yelling listening to this um so the ingredient that they need 
they made a deal with the the farmer that makes it and they were like cool we want this amount for this much money and he was like all right great that's money more money for me perfect and then they went back on that deal and were like actually that's too much money we don't want to do that anymore give it to us for less and the farmer was like no i'm not doing that and they're like well do it and he's like no you can't have my peppers anymore so that's why they don't have the peppers anymore but that guy that farm makes their own sriracha and I will send you a picture of the bottle so that you could purchase it because that's what okay. we do. We okay. haven't purchased sriracha well, in a while because Theo was on top of that. I don't know why he knew about this like No, I mean, we fiasco. knew there was a shortage. We knew there mm-hmm. was a shortage and all of that. And so finally, like a couple of weeks ago, I went to the store and this was the first time it was like completely out in any yeah. of the stores around here, right? Like I knew they weren't getting more, but like not everybody buys it so although mm-hmm. apparently it's the third most popular hot sauce in the u.s so there's a that fun makes fact sense for you. it was super annoyingly po- popular a couple yeah, of years we, ago like we had shirts that, everything yeah it was we went all through that because you, you know sean he was like i liked it before it was cool <laughs> i mean i me and sean are the same when people right? start to bandwagon a thing i'm like ugh, do i like this anymore like it makes me think about it when too many people like it but but, but the yeah, thing like, is I we really do like too. it mm-hmm. and so we i was like all right i don't know we gotta do something we, we gotta have some hot sauce so i bought a bottle of like knockoff Chiracha, and it was the most disappointing thing yeah. i've ever had in my life so this morning no last night we had the dish that we put shiracha on all the time, we, mm-hmm. the the egg dish um, that we make. And we we're just like, this is so disappointing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ask on the buy nothing. He's like, really? Come on. Like, you think what? This morning I woke up and there was a lady who offered me the bottle and she had like a giant bottle of shiracha. She's like, yeah, we tried it. We didn't really love it. So you can have it. <laughs> so How this morning random. I ran out. <laughs> Uh, this morning I ran out to this lady's house and came back with a giant bottle of shiracha. So we we're covered for a little bit longer. That's so funny. Did you have to pay for it? Or did she just give it to you? No, no, it was by nothing. It was oh by nothing. God. So that's so funny. I would have never thought to ask. That's best genius that you thought to ask there. I was just like people ask for some bizarre things on our buy nothing that I'm just like okay what so it's like it can't hurt the worst that's gonna happen is someone will click on the laughing emoji that's yeah. like the literal worst thing that could happen <laughs> so or you could end up with way too much sriracha like no that's not get... a thing that's not a thing if i had like eight people offer me i would have been running all over brooklyn this morning to be like yes i will take that bottle and i will take that bottle and thank you for this other bottle <laughs> i would feel slightly weird because, because it's open yeah that yeah makes me nervous i i get that i i understand that but i feel like it's also one of those things where like if they offered it open i mm-hmm. would be a little more suspicious yeah if but I like you asked, asked for, for it, it yeah they're like what how much time do they have to go out and get the poison to drop in it you know? <laughs> listen people like that already have poison no i'm kidding fair enough um <laughs> no it's probably it's probably fine like if somebody was like i have all this free sriracha just come get it don't mind the seals are broken <laughs> then well then. we will probably use it at some point next week um so if this is our last episode you know i died oh, no. from sriracha poisoning <laughs> arsenic that's what you died from yeah 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 oh my god i'm gonna get you a casket on the buy now. <laughs> You 
you know what? That's a great money saver. Right? I thought I was going to die, but I didn't. So here's the casket. <laughs> That's so weird. Buy nothing. The real money saver is having your body donated to science, but they don't take everybody's body. Like, they won't take fat people. So that was my plan, but they won't That's, take me. So That seems dumb right because they can't study my fatness and yeah that's that's why they don't want to they're always like oh well we don't know because we haven't studied this well then fucking study it exactly but uh they won't take me so cremation it is everyone plant me under an apple tree and then when you eat the apples you'll remind you'll be reminded of me yeah apparently it's a thing (laughs) i've heard that you can do like tattooing turn yourself into tattooing mm-hmm. it's expensive and then you can also like make, make yourself your a family record. all get a tattoo of your yeah. face <laughs> not your face but like whatever you want i know i, I think that's kind of cool but it's expensive so i imagine yeah i don't know just put me in a bag and throw me on stage at some concert did you hear about that the pink concert no <laughs> oh my god so people at concerts I know this is not what we were talking about, but it kind of segues. Anyway, people at concerts are like fucking wiling lately. Like some chick, BB Rexa, got hit in the face with a phone, like right under her um, eyebrow and had to get stitches. Shit. It is hysterical to see. But then I learned that she actually got really hurt and I stopped laughing for a little bit. It's so, like she collapses to the ground. It's so funny to watch, but she got hurt. Yeah. Um, somebody like slapped Ava Max on stage. Some dude. And then some chick brought her mom's ashes to a Pink concert and, like, threw them on stage. And Pink is, like, singing. And she walked to the front of the stage and she was like, what is this? Your mom's ashes? And she just puts them back down and keeps singing. Because, like, what is she supposed to do? <laughs> it's so weird. And it was so funny because, like, uh, I saw this thing that um Adele came out because she's doing her residency in Las Vegas. And she came out with a t-shirt cannon and she's like, if you throw anything on this fucking stage, I will kill you. Don't throw anything at me. Don't hit me. Like, we're going to have a problem. And I was just like, I love it so much because it's like Adele and her like thick The fact that she even has to say that though. Like, what the hell, people? It's so weird. I don't know if this is like post-COVID like selfishness that you feel like you have to be the main character when you go to something and make yourself known. Because the one guy who threw his phone... The idea was that she would then take a video with the phone. And I've seen people, I saw people do that at the Lizzo concert. And I was like, that's rough. Because what if she doesn't see your phone and your phone is just on stage for the rest of the concert until someone comes to pick it up later? Like, yeah, that's well, risky. I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen at the show we went to the other. No, <laughs> could you imagine? That show was so chill. <laughs> just throw your phone on stage. They would have been like, what? They just would have been like, what the hell? <laughs> It would have been like zero reviews. Yeah. Zero so we, for our listeners, we went to uh, to another podcast stage show the other night um, at City Winery in New York, and it was the Beach to Sandy show, which was quite funny. Some of the reviews were ridiculous. Yeah, I know. That's I've I've never listened to the podcast before, but we you took me to another show of theirs. What's the other one? Their other podcast um, called? Well, it's one of those co-hosts is in the yeah. other one called And That's Why We Drink. And That's Why We Drink. Yeah. So this was the, the, girl. the one girl from there and her brother. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that was her brother? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, that makes sense. Their dynamic makes sense. I yes. definitely <laughs> were friends. I was like, they're really close friends, but that's her brother. So that makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was super funny. And it's just like they read reviews from places like most of the time one star reviews 
And like some people are just insane. Like there were reviews for um, Olive Garden, like insane reviews. The Sabaro like, one was Square. hysterical. Sabaro was funny. I love how some, multiple people were like, RIP, because it's closed. <laughs> it is gone. But also I was like, where is she getting corn and like collard greens and like all this stuff that they were mentioning? It was like, I have no. You weren't at Sbarro. <laughs> I don't think she was at Sbarro because again, it was like I've never had such a good salad in my life with the corn and like the greens, and I was just like, "Do they have that at Sbarro? I don't know." <laughs> I know like they the have Prospect Park like one. pizza. The, the what Prospect, was the Prospect pa- Park one. The Prospect Park one was the one with the swan picture. It was like spent a lovely day in the park with my love. Denise or whoever it was. (laughs) Denise. And it was just a picture of a swan that was really funny. So we can highly recommend that podcast. Yes. Um, I'm going to start listening to it because it was very funny. Yeah, it definitely, definitely was amusing. And And City Winery is fantastic. Yeah, y'all should go there. They have lots of shows, not just podcast shows, but concerts, comedy Comedy, shows. Yeah. Yeah. And also our friend works there, so you should go. She doesn't make any commission off this ad, but it's just a really, really yes. cool place. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. City Winery. Where, where's the, uh, where's the um, sponsorship money? <laughs> Give us our money, City Winery. No, <laughs> Give me. You could pay me in wine. Anything else before we move on to our person of the week? So I have a thing that I I don't know how to segue this. Kind of, kind of. They're similar. So um, I saw a movie called Past Lives, and okay. it was fucking amazing. Um, it's written and directed by Celine Song, who is a South Korean Canadian director. And I don't know if she shares the same um, like upbringing as her character. But in the movie, her character, Nora, comes from South Korea and immigrates, immigrates to Canada and then New York. So okay. I wonder if that's her deal. Um, but it's a it's a romance. It's about these two friends that were like best friends when they were kids. And like I said, she immigrated to canada so she left and they find each other like years later and then like time gets in the way and then she gets married and they find each other again and it's just like what's life like when you have like the option of your past in front of you but like you have like this whole future ahead of you oh interesting it's really it's really really sweet or is it in the theater it's in the theaters now um i saw it at alamo but i know it's playing i was gonna say places it's playing here but i was like that doesn't help anybody to know that it's playing at nighthawk it helps you <laughs> to know that it's playing at nighthawk. it helps me but the um, rest of you know how to use google so yeah google it i feel like things end up on streaming very quickly but this is celine song's directorial debut okay and i'm just like very We're here for into it. it yes korean canadian like, woman yes yeah I'm like, I want to see more women do things. And this is such, and it's so well done. And I hope it does well. Yeah, because we got to get out there and support it. Like once yes. we go out there and support it, like that that's kind of like that show Deadlock I was watching. It was like, okay, it's like created by women. The The majority of the cast is women. It centers around, like, let's share and enjoy and promote other stories created by women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. I know, I'm super into it. Um, the main actress is Greta Lee, who okay. was in, oh my God. Every time I see her, I think, happy birthday, baby, because she was in that show with Natasha Leone that the time like keeps warping. 
uh russian doll yes russian dolls and she says like happy birthday baby like a million oh, times yeah 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 i know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about so every time i see her that's the first thing i think and i'm just like why do i think that and then i remember her back um but she's fantastic i really like her i want to see her and more stuff mm-hmm. yeah okay all right yeah i'll i'll see about checking it out when it comes to streaming wherever it streams probably see hbo it. probably yeah usually that's where so, they go this is a nice segue because the director I just talked about, her name is Celine Song. And the person we're talking about today is Celine, who sings songs. And also it rhymes, <laughs> Celine Dion, Celine Song, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. got you. You could make it work. Yes. <laughs> so today we're going to be discussing the queen of power ballads, Miss Celine Dion. We'll cover some of her early life and what got her into the music industry. Then we'll explore some more of the things in the media has said about her over the years, especially in regards to the most epic of her power ballads, My Heart Will Go On, written and sung for the Titanic soundtrack. Next, we'll dig into some truths behind her life experiences and choices. We'll consider why people stigmatize her based on the genre she sings and the issues they have with the fact that she expresses, you know, her emotions. Uh, we'll question the concerns people have with the age difference between her and her husband and the fact that she is unapologetically herself at all times. Finally, we'll talk about where she is now, what she's up to, her relationship with fans and her philanthropic efforts. Trigger warnings for some very bad French pronunciations, uh, cancer issues, death, miscarriage and the briefest mention of rape. Yeah, so some serious ones in there, but also, uh, you know, for those of you who are French speakers... We apologize. <laughs> Celine Marie Claudette Dion was born in Charlemagne, Quebec on March 30th, 1968. She was the youngest of 14 children. That's too many. <laughs> kind of is. No, it definitely Actually, is. My mother-in-law is the youngest of 14. The youngest of 14? Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure. Wow. She's the youngest. I am not sure if there's... 12 or 14 i gotta okay. ask her yeah my dad's Surely, one of 11 how many are you that's so meant i mean jesus christ i just i guess it's a different time it was and i <sighs> feel like it was you know lack of birth control but also the previous generation a lot of children had like died yeah so they were like we got to make a whole bunch in case they don't make it and then this was the generation where they actually had like vaccines and shit and people did make it it just it feels exhausting. Like I, by the I'm fifth sure one, <laughs> I don't know who's raising you anymore. Because like you're I'm not like, doing it. You're like taking care of Pete is exhausting enough, right? <laughs> if we had 14 dogs, Pete would have to take care of at least three of them. So I'm not going to remember. <laughs> Celine's mother, Therese Dion, was a homemaker and later the host of a cooking show in Quebec. Her father, Ademar, was a butcher. They also ran a piano bar called. Here we go with our French. Le Vieux Baril, which means the old barrel. Her family was very musical, and this bar encouraged Dion's love of music. She wrote her first song at the age of 12, and with the help of her brothers, she was able to get the song to music manager Rene Angelou. Rene was floored, moved by Celine's voice and lyrics. He knew he wanted to work with her and produce an album. Only he didn't really have the funds to do this, so he actually mortgaged his home. So I looked this up because I was like, what are you crazy? But it's actually kind of common. Like Kevin Costner just mortgaged his $50 million home to fund some new movie series from that Yellowstone era. Like not era, whatever the universe. Okay. There's like a lot of shit coming out of Yellowstone that I'm not interested in. But 
this is a huge huge risk especially if things don't go well but you know rich people and yolo (laughs) yeah like can't relate (laughs) yeah right renee gambled as well as dion's first record here we go la vox de bon du la La vox de bon du i don't think you say the x la vo la voy la vu la voy la voy de bon du yeah, there we go. We got something. Listen, y'all going to handle this the rest of the episode. <laughs> La Voix de Bambou was a huge hit, making her a star in Quebec at the age of 13. Wow. So she followed the album by competing in the 1982 Yamaha World Popular Song Festival in Tokyo, where she won two different awards. By 1983, she was a solidified child prodigy and Canada's golden child. She was winning awards left and right, but she was still a kid. And this was all fun, but that's all it was. You know, and uh, I kind of appreciate that because she is just a kid. So, like, let Mm -hmm. her enjoy it if she's enjoying it, but don't stress. Mm -hmm. When she was 18, Dion decided that this would be her profession. She wanted to be a star and was looking to take on the world. Her manager, Renee, was game, but felt her image needed to change for her to become marketable. So Dion got crowns on her teeth and went to an English teacher to improve her English. Uh, She was a native French speaker, if y'all didn't gather that. (laughs) In 1990, with straight teeth and a better grasp on the English language, Dion set forth to release Unison. This was her ninth album, but her first English language album. The album was produced by fellow Canadian songwriter David Foster. The album did very well in Quebec, of course, and it got some radio play here in the U.S. too. Her single, Where Does My Heart Beat Now, debuted at number 80 on the Billboard Top 100 and peaked at number 4. This was Dion's first top 10 single ever. Also, the first time a French-Canadian artist hit a top 10. That's pretty cool. I mean, right? and this is only 1990. That song's a banger. I'm trying to remember it, but I think I know. Yeah. Where does my heart beat now? Yeah. Yep. Something, yep. Yep. <laughs> with the success of her first album and her vocals, she was given more projects like duetting with Peebo Bryson, who we mentioned. No, we, we mentioned him in the little rep think that was roberta flack right yes i'm yeah. like what <laughs> i'm like what are we talking about Peebo? <laughs> well celine dion did a duet with Peebo bryson for the title track to disney's animated film beauty and the beast so this was my first introduction to her and i was obsessed with all things beauty and the beast and i definitely like broke multiple vhs because i watched them so hard but nice that's when i was like i like her voice I loved my baby voice. I loved the books part of it. But like the VHS Mm -hmm. that I like broke was Aladdin because I like (gasps) would watch the Prince Ali song over and over again until I could sing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Same. Same. Yep. Mm-hmm. now i finally got it now because you couldn't just google it and like listen no, to the lyrics i know the words i used to play it and write them down so yep. then i would practice off the written down version mm-hmm. oh man kids today will never know the struggle right and <laughs> albums when they didn't have the lyrics inside <gasps> you were like no I so mad <laughs> it was the worst it's like what are these just pictures and who wrote it i don't care give me the lyrics well everyone loved this song And it earned Dion her first top 10 hit in the UK and her second top 10 hit in the States. The duet gave Dion her first Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group. The momentum of this win went into her second album in 1992, well, her second English language album, simply titled Celine Dion. 
A single from the album titled If You Ask Me To was a cover of Patti LaBelle's and became Dion's first number one single in Canada. It did well in the States as well, getting to number four. So now it's 1993 and Selena's in love. She just released her third album, The Color of My Love, and she dedicates it to manager Renee Angelo. The two go public with their love and get married in a huge wedding ceremony that actually is shown on TV in Canada. Fun fact, her dress had a 20-foot long train. But how long was my train in my wedding dress? I don't remember. It wasn't 20 feet. No. It wasn't I mean, it 10. was probably like five Three or, or four? Six. I, don't I don't know. know. Six? Jesus. I don't remember. I don't know. I either. didn't measure it. <laughs> and where Maybe do you that. start the train measurement? From the waist or from the floor? From the floor, I would guess. Yeah, then it was maybe like two or three. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Um, And so, you know, we're going to come back to this later on, but I think that learning about this relationship, which I didn't learn about until actually later on, um, Mm -hmm. that's when I first started, like, judging Celine Dion, right? Um, Yeah. You know, like, but I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, yeah, note that I didn't say that I judged Renee Angelil here. Right. That's like the thing. Yeah. My, my whole thing was like, oh, I can't believe she would marry someone so much older than her. And, mm-hmm. and I put it on her. I didn't think about how it might have been grooming. I mean, the relationship did work. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not trying to like downplay what actually happened in their relationship. But like it was a 26 year age difference. And it wasn't like That's they met deal. when she was in her 20s. Yeah. That's the part that always like weirded me out. But again, why did I put that on her? patriarchy told you to yeah that (laughs) that okay so let's jump three years to 1996 dion's fourth english language album is out it's called falling into you it is my favorite mine too right awesome (laughs) it's so good the celine team which i hope they call themselves if they don't they should start the celine team okay they were trying to reach a wider audience and they were changing her style up a little bit. So, like I said, this was also my favorite. And in fact, fun fact, it was the first concert that I went to was for this album. It was like my first pop concert ever. Um, and I had the T-shirt and everything. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I didn't know you saw her live. Yeah, that was my first my first oh concert my that wasn't like a free concert in the park kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did who take? Did your mom take you? No, my um, my boyfriend's mom took the two of us. Mm. Wait. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like you weren't seven. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was fifteen. Did your mommy take you? Because <laughs> I think I was like maybe twelve. You were so my 10. mom would have had to take me ten. Good. Good on math. I'm not a math scientist. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was fifteen. My mom would have taken me. Yeah, she, my mom wouldn't take me. wouldn't have taken me because it wouldn't have even crossed her mind to spend money on something mm-hmm. like that. But um, my high school boyfriend knew I liked it, and so for like Christmas, he and his mom got me like got the three of us tickets. So we That's all went together. So sweet. <laughs> I I love you, Sean. But that guy sounded like a real keeper. <laughs> um, no comment <laughs> oh jeez. okay no no he was mm-hmm. fine he was great you know and actually interestingly if you ask me to like call someone without looking their phone number up his grandmother like i'm assuming he doesn't live there anymore but mm-hmm. like his, where his mom and his grandmother lived is like one of three phone numbers i could probably recite by heart <laughs> so you're saying he still has a chance <laughs> <laughs> He's going to show up with tickets to her in, like, Las Vegas. And you're going to be like, sorry, Sean. Mm. Oh, my God. Is this your past lives? (laughs) 
I hope not. I don't need this. I don't need this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I made it weird. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so the album, let's get back to Celine. Team Celine, Falling Into You is the album, and it channeled a lot of different elements. There were orchestral sounds, African chanting, and elaborate musical effects, plus complex instrumental blends like the violin, Spanish guitar, trombone, and saxophone. This was all new and all big for Dion. And I think that's what I loved about it. It was like it had so many different things mm-hmm. in, like, to the album, so many different components. Plus, like, dope lyrics yes. on top of, like, very good scores yeah and even her covers were like amazing yeah Um, but we'll get to that so how did the critics react well uh Alyssa gardner of the los angeles times gave the album two out of four stars and wrote that dion quote dabbles in more soulful and sophisticated textures and at times her dilettantism pays off but she often falls back on her characteristic platform of polite predictable schmaltz (laughs) this feeling though was uh common among reviewers dion's voice was great but her music according to them was lackluster despite all the changes she made her music was still considered one note fans loved the album though i mean we did Mm -hmm. with hits like falling into you and river deep mountain high which was a tina turner cover and the epic seven minute and 37 second I guess we could call it a telenovela of sorts, but without the tele part, um, it's all coming back to me now. Have you ever seen a music video? Yes, it's all right. It's so, quite elaborate. It's so over the <laughs> it's top. It's so good. So I used to work with this girl, and she was like just getting into Celine Dion, and I was like, "Have you seen the music?" And she was talking about something that was dramatic, and I was like, "Have you ever seen Celine's music video for?" Um, it's not coming back to me now, and she's like, "No," and I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" You need hold to. on to your hat, and it's like. 10 minutes long because there's like all this build up and she was stunned and it was amazing and like it's, we just kept watching that it's epic so with the music video it is definitely a telenovela but it's such a dramatic maybe we should song. share a link to the to the video the video oh absolutely yes <laughs> it's it's so good like it's she's got like this big dress on she's a castle like it's amazing so i wish i could sing like even half as good as she could I like know. oh it's she's so, so amazing it's, i like i feel guilty trying to like even sing a line from it here it's like oh it's like I shameful like, <laughs> i just i know i can't do it well but like the passion is there yes yeah oh yeah. if it's playing i'm singing with my whole chest <laughs> it took so long to write like notes for this because i kept stopping to listen to her music and then i was like i gotta just listen to somebody else because then it's you can't just you can't just sit and let Celine Dion play in the background. Like, it's like, baby, baby. Like, I'm moving around. Oh, like, yeah, my hands yeah. are moving. Like, I can't. I'm no, performing. No, it, you, know? you absolutely are. It's actually really good um, cleaning the house music. Oh, yes, because you have to move. <laughs> yep. And if you have, like, a long mop. Oh, that's yeah. Your that's your microphone. Absolutely. fucking <laughs> Okay, so that song is fantastic, but the biggest song in the album was Because You Loved Me. It was written by Diane Warren. And we should probably do like a little rep on, rep on her because Warren has written like nine number one hits and 32 top 10 hits on the Billboard charts, including If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher, Because You Loved Me, Celine Dion, How Do I Live, Leanne Rhymes. That's another epic song. Yes. And I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. Also relatively epic, especially when you yeah. put it to the video, because it was like the um, 
Wasn't it from Independence? Not Independence Day. Armageddon? Armageddon. Armageddon. I'm like, how <laughs> dare you? Armageddon. <laughs> I knew it. I could see it. I was visualizing it. <laughs> That's such a good, terrible film. I love that movie. <laughs> like, because it's not, it's not great. Steve Buscemi's in that. He is. Oh, my God. You should ask him about it. Yeah. I'll just go knock on I don't know door. what you would ask him. <laughs> Be like, hey, do you like being in Armageddon? Is that cool? Okay. Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Just take it a poll. I'm going to ask Ben Affleck next. So, Because You Love Me was a pop love ballad that was a theme for the 1996 film Up Close and Personal, which I've never seen. Have you seen that? No. But I know the song. I know the song real well. Same. (laughs) So, this was her most successful song from a film. Psych. Okay. The song did really well. (laughs) I was like, if there's anyone here who's believing that for even half a second. And the episode ends there. So, like... This film, this song did really well because the film did really well. And Team Celine realized that there might be something to the movie themes. Well, let's talk about how the world saw Celine Dion. And let's start with the song, My Heart Will Go On. You know, we're going to take a titanic leap forward to 1997. Director and submarine aficionado... <laughs> James Cameron. Listen, his submarine stuff was way better than the the deep diving (laughs) stuff that actually went down there. But that's that's besides the point. Yes. So he's putting the final touches on his new film, Titanic. The film is a romance slash disaster that Cameron has directed, written, produced, and edited. This film is his baby, and he's protective of it. Cameron wants new age musician Enya to compose the film. She passes. Big mistake. Huge. Like, what the, are you like, thinking, Anya? I mean, I guess maybe for her, but like for the movie, it wasn't, right? So we were yeah. talking about this because I told Sean that and he's like, what? 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 Had she even done a movie? And we like looked it up. I and don't she think had, so. She had done some smaller oh, things, did? but like uh-huh. it, it was just, he's like, you've got this guy that you already always work with. Why are yeah. you going to Anya? <laughs> he was listening to a lot of Anya at the time, so he felt that, uh, her energy okay yes yeah so it was like let's keep this going let's see if she can be a composer um i feel like it would have been all like wind sounds like i don't you know i feel like she definitely missed out on like the money but she could have also made this film terrible by composing it so who knows who knows who Who knows? knows so instead james cameron hires james horner who does a fantastic job so james horner has composed other films like aliens field of dreams apollo 13 braveheart he's also been nominated for an oscar for each of those projects so he was a great pick and also like they'd worked together in the past so like yeah it, it just made sense he just wasn't thinking straight yeah I, probably. I feel like horner was a great choice my personal favorite film that he worked on that he was not nominated for was an american tale five of those west okay okay no I mean, nomination but still full filled with bops yeah well I, i'm a little partial to the og five or uh land before time which he also did that's crazy i don't even remember i was too young for land before time i've really? seen it when did so that come I have, out oh my gosh i don't even think about that you're probably like you're so right but no tiniest of stories of you know the podcast becomes kim talking about her life but my mom recorded me talking when i was a kid about seeing like my dad took me to see land before time and it's the most adorable recording and now we neither one of us knows where it is but it's me and like maybe four-year-old voice going like and the dinosaur lost his mommy and she he was so scared <laughs> 
Oh, so, that's so cute. Every once in a while, my mom will go, he was so scared. <laughs> so that's like what I said on this recording and it stuck with both of us. But neither one of us knows where this recording was. But Land Before Time is like really it one of my like first It looks like it films. came out when you were like two and a half. Okay. So, so I yeah. probably saw it. I mean, I don't know how young I went to the movies, but like I was old. Maybe I was three in this recording. Yeah. It was like a tape recorder. I love maybe. it. Yeah, but I, I have not seen it again as an adult. I wonder it's if it been a minute. Cry. It's yeah. been a minute for sure. I don't remember any music. Oh, no, wait. Wasn't there like a big song from it? I don't, I don't know. But he did Sorry. all the like he does all the film music like throughout the orchestral stuff and all of that. If We Hold On Together by Diana Ross. Okay. I don't that's know what to it. say to that, but <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm looking at it now and I'm like, there was a big song that I remember. So Horner composed the music for My Heart Will Go On and worked with lyricist Will Jennings to create this heartwarming love ballad. Enter Celine Dion. She hears it. She loves it. She says no. Dion was done with movie ballads. She had already recorded the film songs for Beauty and the Beast and Because You Loved Me, and she didn't want to do it anymore. In an article titled The Oral History of Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, Controversies, Doubts, and Belly Pains in the Studio by Mickey Rapkin, Dion says, I was in a suite with a piano at Caesar's Palace. Horner started playing the song. With all the respect that I have for James, poor him, this guy's just looking up above us now. He's passed away. He died, yeah. Uh, he, He is not the greatest singer. I was making this sign like, this is not possible. Renee stopped him saying, James, 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 listen to me. You're not doing justice to the song right now. I'm going to make a deal with you. Let's have Celine make a demo. I wanted to choke my husband because I didn't want to do it. But I just, I just came out of Because You Loved Me and then Beauty and the Beast was like huge. Why do we need to break our nose? What? Break I our love, nose? I, it must I be guess a French she thing. Like- Maybe, or like strain yourself, maybe. Okay. Maybe I meant like break your neck. I feel like English is really hard to learn because of like little phrases like. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like bend over backwards. Like who, what the fuck does that mean? If you don't, if you're not a native English speaker, you know, like she probably has trouble with lots of these little, what are they, idioms? Yeah. 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 That makes so sense. So maybe she just like messed up an idiom. So it was Renee that convinced her that this was going to be a huge project and good for her career. The day of the demo recording, Dion wasn't feeling great. She says, I was mad. I don't feel good. I have belly pains. My girly days were starting to happen. I guess she means her period. Probably, yeah. I was like, that's my girly days. It's the 90s. We can't say period. (laughs) You know what? I applaud her for even saying it. Right. Because I feel like some people would have been like, oh, I had a stomach ache. Like, yeah, listen. Not talk even about acknowledging what was causing it. I got you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone should talk about their period. If you don't have one, you should talk to somebody about their period. Normalize it. Yes. Anyway, Horner, James Horner is explaining to me what the movie is about. He said, just think about that and do it. And I'm like, sarcastically, all right, thanks. Thanks a lot. Celine goes on to say, when I recorded it, I didn't think about a movie. I didn't think about a radio. I thought, sing the song and get the heck out of here. <laughs> I, I'm into how much she hated making this like to me it just makes it so much better because it was so close to not happening yeah and it was magic right like the song is fantastic and it does so much like we'll get to like how big it is but like she was like oh i have cramps i don't want to be here i don't want to do this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love it dion sings and everyone in the room is crying 
Simon Franklin, a co-producer of the film, said that very first near, far, wherever you are, everyone knew that she could belt, but there was something about the delicacy. Everyone in the room is crying and they're just super moved by this whole thing, right? But now they have to convince James Cameron, the director of Titanic. Yeah, this was all done without him knowing. That's wild. Uh, like, right? <laughs> Let's go behind us. But you know what? Sometimes directors don't know best, right? What the, Exactly. One of the most famous examples of this was in um, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. No, mm -hmm. yeah, Psycho with the shower scene. Yeah. Hitchcock wanted that to be completely silent. Oh, yeah, I have heard about that. And that's like one of the most iconic sounds in like yes. probably all of film. In hor yeah, exactly. It's and so, so like, you know it. The, the composer was just like, yeah, no, I know better and I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so like, I feel like that's kind of what they're doing here is like Cameron didn't want to end his film with a pop song, mm -hmm. but he didn't know that like how well it would work once he heard it. Right. And Horner really believed in the song and Dion knew the film needed this song. So Horner set Cameron down, played the song without telling him the artist, and Cameron was moved. So they started editing the song into the movie that day. A screening was arranged for Celine and her team to see the full film, music and all. At the very end, James Cameron stood up and asked Celine, how do you feel about the movie? Celine held up her Kleenex because she couldn't speak because she had been crying so much. So the song and the film would go on to be massive hits. The song topped the charts worldwide and became Dion's signature song. My Heart Will Go On opened many doors for Dion. Her audience grew as people who had never listened to adult contemporary became fans. The song also appeared on her 15th studio album and fifth English language album, Let's Talk About Love. One of the doors that the song opened was being asked to perform at the VH1 Divas Live, an honors concert for the VH1 Save the Music Foundation. That is the longest fucking title That's for long. a show. <laughs> How did that fit in a not TV as, guide? Not as long as uh, the church names that we read last week. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it aired live on April 14th in 1998. We spoke about this in our last episode as it also featured the late, great Aretha Franklin. Also, Gloria Estefan, Mariah Carey, and Shania Twain. This was a huge honor as it was the first event of its kind. Uh, we'll get to reviews on it later as they were kind of mixed. But this event gave Dion an opportunity to meet and work with women that she had admired. And and she was able to be a part of history. Yeah. Well, My Heart Will Go On and the new album came with lots of press, traveling and awards. Things weren't all carefree for Celine. In 1998, her husband, Rene Angelil, was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. In 1999, Dion was on the Oprah Winfrey show to give her fans some news. At the age of 31, Selena announced her indefinite exit from show business, saying, I've been doing this for 18 years, and then I'm realizing I've missed so many wonderful things. I can't wait to meet life. It was time for a break and time to focus on her family. After two operations and two years of treatment and radiation, Renee went into remission in the year 2000. On January 5th of that year, the two renewed their vows and started the process for in vitro fertilization. Their son, Rene Charles Angeli, was born on January 25th, 2001. Selena and her husband introduced their miracle baby on The Oprah Winfrey Show in 2002. Side note, Celine Dion will go down in history as Oprah's most frequent celebrity guest. She was on the show 27 times. That's a lot. That's impressive. I wonder if they hang out in real life. That's so much like rich bitch energy. Yeah, I, but I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. Oh, my God. They probably eat the fanciest bread. <laughs> 
<laughs> Those are the goals. I'm like, I'm here for this. Like, let's just let's just be rich so we can eat fancy bread. I fancy I want bread that. and like salted <laughs> butter. Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Someone else is gonna cut it. It's good time. <laughs> After years of intensive fertilization treatment, Celine said she was overjoyed to learn she was pregnant. When I heard the news, I was like, of course, he's a miracle baby for us. It's a dream come true in many ways. I will never be the same person anymore. By 2003, Dionne was missing a performing life, but she had a two-year-old and life on the road is hard enough for the adults. She had just released an album called A New Day Has Come. It was a success, but touring would help to boost sales. It was her husband slash manager, Renee, but had the idea to do a Las Vegas residency. Las Vegas residencies by Frank Sinatra and Liberace helped turn Las Vegas into an entertainment mecca, but Vegas had this feel about it. It was the place where your career went to die. Mm. Yeah, you didn't really make it out of Vegas. Like you had a residency and then that was, you know, the end. Renee gambled that the opposite would happen with Celine. In an article titled Viva Las Vegas, A History of Sin City's Musical Residencies by Martin Chilton, Chilton credits Dion's time there as a game changer, saying one artist in particular played a key part in ridding Las Vegas of the appearance of being the last stop on an artist's road to obscurity. Celine Dion performed her first Las Vegas show in 2003 and has since played to more than 5 million fans in her residencies. Significantly, she was still at the height of her popularity, selling out arenas all over the world. This was a game changer for fellow musicians and booking agents. Her 2003 to 2007 Las Vegas residency called A New Day remains the highest grossing residency in the history of music, according to Billboard Box Score. Dion made $385 million for 714 shows at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace. During Celine's residency, she performed five nights a week, and during the day, she got to be with her family and work on music. She also released three more albums during this time. One Heart, released in 2003, Miracle, released in 2004, and Taking Chances came out in 2007. Now we're going to jump to 2009. Renee's health issues are back. He had to have heart surgery to cure a blocked artery. At this time, he could no longer manage Celine's career, clearly. Celine said the most important thing she learned from her husband's battle with cancer was, my life is so much more than show business. My inner voice is a lot stronger than my singing voice. And this was the first time in her life that she took charge. Later in that same year, Dion had sadly suffered a miscarriage just 10 days after announcing her pregnancy publicly. After heart surgery for Renee and grieving for them both, the couple started the process again for baby number two. After six rounds of in vitro fertilization, their twins, Eddie and Nelson Angeli, were born in October 2010. Eddie was named after Eddie Marnay, a producer who worked with Dion through her first five records. Marnay has been a major influence in both Celine and Renee's lives. Nelson was named after Nelson Mandela. Mandela and Dion met in 2008 at the beginning of her tour in South Africa. Dion and her husband were so impressed by the human being that he was. A rep for the couple went on to say Celine and Renee want their children to be inspired by their names because they were so inspired by these men. Dion went back to the studio and released an album in 2013 titled Loved Me Back to Life. She also went back to her roots and recorded an all-French album, Son Attendre. Son Entendre. Sans Entendre. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you would say the S because it starts with an A, right? So Sans, yeah. Entre- Sans Entendre. Sure, that. 
In August of 2014, Deanna announced the indefinite postponement of all her shows. Travel had become impossible as Renee's health was worsening. His cancer was back and things didn't look good. So after this long time with cancer, Renee Angelil died at the age of 73 in Celine's arms on January 14th, 2016. Two days later, Daniel Dion, Celine's older brother, also died of cancer. He was only 59 years old. Dion resumed her Las Vegas residency on February 23rd. The show was sold out and the crowd was in awe and had rave reviews. Now, first yeah. I thought like, wow, that's really quick to turn around and do that. But I feel like if that was her comfort zone, if that was her yeah. like kind of maybe a way to help her grieve, I can, I can get focus it. on something else. Yeah. yeah. And to be around people like who were only there to support you. Right. Like not saying that people in her family didn't, but like, you can put away your grief for like the hour, hour and a half that you're on stage right, and yeah. not have to think about it. In 2016 and 2017, Dion toured Europe and Canada with two sold out concert tours. After the tour, she resumed her residency in Las Vegas. In May of 2018, she released the single Ashes from the Deadpool movie. It's a power ballad. However, a remix of it made it to the number one spot in the dance club hits in the summer of 2018. All right. In 2019, I don't, I don't go to the clubs enough. Yeah, to right. Heard it. <laughs> Especially in club? 2018, I was like, yeah. Old. Maybe, I mean, I was more likely to go to a club in 2018 than I am now. So. Sure, sure, sure. I missed my time. In 2019, Dion released an album called Courage. She also announced her Courage World Tour, set to kick off in 2021. After that, she would then go back to Vegas for another residency. Keeping busy. Yeah, right. In January 2022, this was all halted as Dion was diagnosed with a rare illness called stiff person syndrome. The syndrome can cause spasms that can be set off by noise, touch, or emotional distress. Dion and her family have taken time off to recover and learn more about her illness. Her most recent project was a film called Love Again, which features 11 songs by Dion that are part of plot points for the film. She also had a cameo in the movie, which was released in May of 2023. The soundtrack did much better than the film, which, you know, yeah. it's Celine. So currently she's focused on her illness and being a cheerleader for her three boys. Her oldest son, Renee Charles, has been releasing music under the stage name Big Tip. Oh, OK, Ugh. that's a choice. No, I just <laughs> I just read choice. that name out loud. That's maybe it means something different in French <laughs> in Canada. In Canada. But he didn't tell her until her songs, his songs were in the number one and two spots on the Canadian SoundCloud R&B charts. She was shocked that he didn't tell her, but also super proud of her son for following her footsteps. She is quoted as saying, I'm so proud of my son. My love for him is so strong and it touches me deeply that one of his passions is also one of mine. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I really like that because... He wanted to kind of do it as much on his own on as his he own. could. Yeah. Because right? he could have absolutely, like, wrote... I mean, if he does... If he used a stage name, though. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, like, if he does, like, such a different genre, but he would also still be able to get really good producers from her. Right, right. Yeah, and he, like, did it completely on his own. I don't love his stage name. No, no. <laughs> it's a choice. It is a real choice. <laughs> So we know what you're thinking. Damn, she seems pretty okay. No big controversies. Why do people dislike her so much? So we dove into the internet forums to see what people were saying. Oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. On a thread on digitalspy.com, simply titled, Why do people dislike Celine Dion so much? 
A user named Pointy states, her songs. She may be technically good, but she makes bland music. Pointy has a point. <laughs> For years, mu- music reviewers have been saying exactly this. Both Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone and Ken Tucker of Entertainment Weekly stated that Dion's music had not developed much over the years. Even when she did incorporate a new sound, they deemed it too subtle. Reviews of her work frequently call her out for being trite and mediocre. Sal Cinquamani of Slant Magazine even called one of her albums a lengthy collection of drippy, gooey pop fluffernutter. Me and Sal are going to fight. Yeah, and you know what? I would like, like to know which album he's talking about. This shit is working for her, so y'all need to like... It is! <laughs> Listen, we'll get there. But Ugh. like, it's, it is. So people like to take issue with Celine Dion's live performances too. Last episode, we mentioned the New York Times writer John Perellis his review of the vh1 divas live he spoke harshly on dion saying and miss dion wearing a long coat that made her look like a ringmaster mugging through her songs including the inevitable hit from the titanic soundtrack with the self-congratulating smirk and frantic gesticulations suggesting a social director for a failing catskills resort really really like these people these dudes just like to hear themselves Mm -hmm. talk I think so. And I think it's like, how can I make something so simple sound so fantastic and dramatic? He could just be like, yeah, she was performing because that's what you do. Like, I don't I don't really get right. If she just stood there standing still, they would have been like, oh, Celine Dion was like dead and lifeless on this stage. It was called Divas Live. Like, hello. Exactly. <laughs> I don't get this man seems terrible. I mean, why should she not be self-congratulatory? Right. VH1 said, hey, who are the best female singers of our generation? And handpicked this same group, which she got to be a part of. If that doesn't deserve a self-congratulatory smirk, I don't know what does. Right? Another poster on the Why Do People Dislike Celine Dion forum points out that her songs may be technically good, but she makes bland music. I think people got really fed up with her around the time of the hugely popular but perceived to be dull Titanic song. I'm just like, my eyes are rolling out of my head. <laughs> okay. The, the user, Dragonlance. Okay, Dragonlance. <laughs> uh, like, am I not supposed to judge? But like, also Dragonlance. Okay, come on. Goes on to say, Dion's music is overrated, unlistenable. She's seen as middle of the road, boring, bland, and for the housewives. And that mm. she has a voice, but not heart, which to an extent is true. Like, this is all his... Is it Dragon Lace? Or there, Dragon yes. Lace. <laughs> I like Dragon Lace better. Yeah. I like Dragon Lace better too, but Dragon Lance is a douche. A douche. <laughs> a douche. What is, what a is dude he? douche? <laughs> a dude douche, I think yes. is what you said. Yes. And I agree. <laughs> so this user apparently isn't listening to or can't relate because there is so much heart and emotion in Dion's voice. Most of her songs are about love, love that you can have for others and the love you should have for yourself. Another user called Dion too emotional, which I feel like is just code for woman literally having a feeling about anything. <laughs> no, n- yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> in a book of essays titled Let's Talk About Love, Why Other People Have Such Bad Taste, writer Carl Wilson and others pen essays for or against the music and personhood of Celine Dion. 
This book of essays is in response to Wilson's solo book called Celine Dion's Let's Talk About Love, A Journey to the End of Taste. Ew. It was part, yeah. It was part of the 33 and a third book series. So it was a series of uh, short books about like popular music focusing on like individual albums by artists. I used to see these in like Sam Goody all the time. They were kind of like small. So uh, before you go on, I'm very confused. This guy Mm -hmm. wrote a book and then he wrote another book with other people in response to the first book he wrote. Yes. (laughs) So in the second book, people are either, hey, I like Celine Dion or you're right, Carl. Celine Dion sucks. Wow. Yeah. So like confused. Yes, a group of strangers got together to talk about one singer's album and then they wrote a whole book. So some of the strangers include Nick Hornby, Mary Gatskill, and James Franco. I would love to know what James Franco wrote about Celine Dion. Yeah. I, I don't want to buy this book, but I really want to read what he wrote. Because if we're talking about writing and we're including James Franco, I understand that he has a book that he the strongest of air quotes wrote. <laughs> I just, I'm not looking well, to I'm thing. not looking to James Franco to tell me what music to listen to and why. Because the thing here is like we don't know which one of them wrote in favor of her, which ones no. wrote against her. Like just from our base research, we have we'd have to yeah. look into. Well, the we book. know one of them, Mary Gatskill. We're going to talk about her in a second. Yeah, but yeah, like I don't I don't know Nick Hornby. Like I don't know how they came for or against. Maybe I should get this book. Well, so you mentioned Mary Gatskill um, mm. and. In the book, she notes that people, including the lead writer of the book, mm-hmm. okay, that guy, uh, <laughs> you know, like Carl Wilson, who are you? Uh, but like she notes that they hate so much about Celine from her teeth to her arm movements, which they deemed spastic, which definitely not an okay word, but no. that's cool. And of course, her overabundance of emotion. Now, Gateskill critiques Wilson's criticism of Dion by saying, Then came the pages on which Wilson informs the reader that the most widely mocked minutes of Celine Dion's career occurred when she had the vulgarity to get all emotional about the victims of Hurricane Katrina on Larry King, crying even, and doing that arm movement thing like some kind of spaz. I hate using that word, but it's the quote. There you go. For me, anyway... That's when the book became about something more than Celine Dion, pop music, or taste. Wilson uses the Larry King incident to segue into a description of Dion's Quebecois cultural roots, which, he says, explain why she fails at most non-fans authenticity tests. Like, uh, like mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm glad she's calling him out on this, but the fact that he even went there in the first place is where I'm having an issue. I think this guy seems like very interesting to me because he wrote this like the second book is a, a compilation of essays and he included one where like he's called out and it's just like, okay, this guy's open to hearing like bad ideas about himself and like maybe open to like changing. But like, I don't is know. He? he just seems like such a weird Ugh. dude. I don't know. Right? I mean, he's got his, uh, I mean, if you're a critic, you have your opinions, but I guess you can't, his opinions st- seem to s- steer away from just her music and more about like her personhood right which if you're critiquing someone's music why are you talking about like their arm movements i don't get it so like this guy seems very interesting to me Mm -hmm. but i want to talk about this larry king interview because i heard about it secondhand from someone who heard it secondhand from a radio show called opie and anthony do you know opie and anthony i've heard of it yeah never listened to it though because they're misogynist yeah yes 
Yeah. When I said that I was covering Celine Dion, some friends had said, oh, that makes sense because she said all these weird things about black people in that Larry King interview. Like she she patronizes them. And I'm just like, wait, what? I was like shocked. So I'm like, let me go find this video because that doesn't sound like the Celine Dion I know and love. Right. And that's literally not what the fuck happened. (laughs) So while Celine Dion does get very emotional and cries, she never makes fun of anybody or puts anybody down. In the Larry King interview, Larry King asks Dion about what she's been seeing in the news. She mentions that the news has been making a very big deal out of looters, saying, oh, they're stealing 20 pairs of jeans. Oh, they're stealing television sets. Who cares? They're not going to go too far with it. Maybe those people are so poor. Some of the poor people who do that are poor, so they've never touched anything in their lives. Let them touch those things for once. The media and comedians heard that part and just ran with it. The guys on Opie and Anthony made fun of her by twisting her words, slowly turning their jokes into her quotes. The parts of what she said that the media skipped over actually made sense. When Dion said, the main thing right now is not the people who are stealing, Celine said, getting emotional and wiping tears from her eyes. It's about getting them help. How come it's so easy to send planes to another country to kill everyone in a second and to destroy lives? We need to serve our country. Which... She's not wrong. No, she's not. She's not. And I also think that, like, the whole bit about, like, they've never touched anything in their lives, let them touch those things for once. Like, mm-hmm. there's also part of that that is maybe something that's a translation. Like, if you're emotional, sometimes the word choices yeah. that you make in your second language, no matter how fluent you are, can get a little jumbled. And and she's not talking about, like, oh, like, they've never seen it. It's like, these people are doing like is is this what we're focusing on are we're focusing on the material items and not the people who are suffering like and i i get that i mean maybe like oh she worded it like poorly Mm -hmm. but i think that people are dumb like you get what she means she means like these people are really poor and they've never had nice shit in their life and if they're gonna have a nice pair of jeans and for that's, the that's, five days yeah like they're not gonna have it forever let them have homes it and their yeah. whole everything like this is what we're focusing on Ugh. and she even said like they're not gonna get very far with it like the whole city is flooded so if they stole like 300 dollars jeans who gives a shit they can't really do anything with it like let them have it people are dying mm-hmm. like this is <laughs> do you ever see that episode of the kardashians definitely not kim like is- end of that <laughs> that that question just no <laughs> so like kim drops like a diamond earring in the water and she's screaming about it she's like my diamond earring my diamond earring and courtney just goes kim people are dying <laughs> you know what i that does like, sound familiar <laughs> your problems are so small so like stealing 20 pairs of jeans versus like whatever fucking crimes were happening in the superdome that day mm-hmm Mm-hmm. They seem really small. And the fact that, like, the media and Opie and Anthony guys were just like, this dumb bitch can't even say words right. It's like, there are so many bigger things. And this is what you're focusing on. Yeah. Like, do men not understand raw emotion that isn't anger? Like, is that a mm. thing? Right? Yeah. Gateskill wonders the same thing in her essay, saying, while there have always been and always will be stunted creatures who make fun of people for showing emotion that said creatures are uncomfortable with, why does a plainly sophisticated, generous, and intelligent critic need to marshal lengthy cultural analysis to explain to his equally sophisticated cohort why a person might get emotional and even cry at the sight of her fellows wretchedly suffering day after day after day? 
Mic drop. Mic drop, right? <laughs> End of episode. Goodbye, everyone. To Wilson and the guys over at Opie and Anthony, this overly emotional woman was out of her mind and out of touch. She's a rich person who shouldn't slash couldn't relate and was faking it for unknown reasons. But like the reality is Celine grew up poor. There were 14 children in her family. I mean, money was tight. She might know a little something about not being able to have something, but wanting it so badly if your circumstances change. So in that very interview, she states that New Orleans felt like home. It had a huge French population and she spent a lot of time there. She mentioned seeing mothers struggling to take care of their babies. She speaks of the violence happening at the Superdome. All very scary, very relatable things that would make a person cry. Lastly, she sang a song because Larry King asked her to sing a song to the people. She didn't just start singing wildly, thinking that her voice would fix all these problems. She also donated a million dollars to help and demanded more action be taken. But to the overly misogynistic dudes at over, over at Opie and Anthony, she's a lunatic. The guys mostly spent time making fun of her accent, her grammar, her singing, completely missing the point and actually making fun of the victims, which is a whole nother story. And I wonder if they donated any money. Yeah. And you know what? Like, how many languages do they speak? Right. That's like my biggest thing. If you're going to make fun of accents, like, who, like you better who speak you? like two more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So an actual fan of Celine Dion chimed in on this digital spy forum to say, why is she so often ignored and disliked? People regard Whitney and Mariah as the standard for female singing, but Celine has managed to retain her voice and IMO is as good as they were. Her career is unparalleled. She has become one of the best selling ever in both English and French. So what is it about Celine that people dislike? Such a valid question. Could it be her musical genre? Whitney and Mariah are very popular in the genres of pop and R&B. Dion's genre is adult contemporary. It has always been popular to dislike adult contemporary, frequently for being cheesy or boring. Think Michael Bolton, Seal, Sting, even Brian Adams. It's like the music of your of your mother or something. Yeah, it's like this yeah. association. Like the easy listening, like... Mm-hmm. That shit, monotone. that shit bangs, bops, pops. It does. I don't know what it does, but it's, I love it. I don't think Yacht Rock is in the same category, but Yacht no, Rock but is I still shit on sometimes. With, I love, I'm I love down Yacht, with Yacht Rock. Rock. I love and Yacht it. Rock, I learned about Yacht Rock, like the history of Yacht Rock from the 1619 Project yes, podcast. I was that like, it oh, was that's like, cool. I was like, I listened to that and I was like, oh shit, there is a lot of like, black people music elements involved in Yacht Rock. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's so interesting. I was like, maybe that's why I like it so much. Like, it feels kind of Motown-ish. Anyway, this podcast is not about Yacht Rock, <laughs> even though it should be. If Let's you do, want like, a us surprise to talk episode. about Yacht Rock, <laughs> let us know. Yes. So, and Delta Tabaret has seen, has been seen as uninteresting, not bad, just like blah elevator music. It's a music with no edge for people with no edge. That's what people say. I'm not saying that. That's just what people say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's deemed very uncool. And Celine, well, she was the queen of it. It's a, like like music that you hear when you go to the store. Yes. Grocery store music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like chuggy. Do you remember that phrase? Yes. Okay, so like for people who might not know, Shige is basically like the opposite of trendy or like trying too hard. Really, it's just another way to make people feel bad about liking things that you don't, which I actually think is chuggy. Chuggy is chuggy at this point. Chuggy is chuggy. It's Let like people stop like try- what they like. It's stop so trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> fetch is better than chuggy. <laughs> fetch is better than chuggy. Hashtag mean girls generation. <laughs> <laughs> 
But let's talk about the most common reason we found why people are iffy on Celine Dion. Her marriage and the idea that her husband is a creep. So at the time of their wedding, Celine was 25 and the groom, Rene, was 52. The two were very aware of the age gap and worried about how the public would respond. They also kept the relationship a secret, thinking it would damage her career. Even her mother, Therese Dion, didn't approve of the romance at first. In Celine's memoir from the year 2000, My Story, My Dream, Dion said, It was very difficult for her. When I told her I had some really strong feelings for Renee, she tried everything to make me snap out of it. I was very frustrated and mad at first, but she tried to make me understand that this man tried marriage twice before. He has three children. He's not responsible. I do love that her mom's like number one concern was like, he's not responsible. Second, he is so much older than you. Like, but the not responsible. Well, I think that's the only way you could do it. Because if you try to play the age thing, like it's like, Mm. well, what does age matter? Age is just a number, blah, blah, blah. But like responsibility is, I don't know. Like maybe that was the way to, that was the wheel the way she thought she could like appeal to her more. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. Right. So to recap, the two met when Celine was 12 and Renee was 38 and married with children. According to Dion, the relationship turned romantic in 1988 when she was 20 and Renee was divorced. The internet and even people at that time were really confused about the timeline and found it hard to believe that these two only got together after Dion turned 18. Like it me. I'm people. There was talk of Renee being a groomer and Celine having Stockholm Syndrome. Renee had a heart attack in 1991 when he was 49 years old. Maybe that was the push. You know, you realize that life isn't promised to you and you stop worrying about what everybody else thinks and you start living for you. I get that that is a super romanticized view of their relationship. But Dion has never indicated that there was any weirdness. So do I personally think that it's weird to marry someone so much older than you? Yes. But I think that there's factors that we didn't know about. We did a deep dive looking for other allegations. There was a woman who accused him of raping her in a Las Vegas hotel. However, there were no charges brought up as the Las Vegas police found no evidence. But the woman who accused Renee of raping her did face charges of her own. Both she and her husband were arrested and charged with attempting to extort $13.5 million from Renee. It was a really weird case. Like, I looked into it. Like, she said she had, like, all this evidence. And then they were like, okay, let's get like the cops to look at it. And then she was like, oh no, I lost the evidence. So it definitely feels like it was an extortion thing from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, we talk about believe women and everything, but there's a but lot investigate. of factors yes. here once that was investigated and the extortion part yeah. is like, well, let's add that to it. Yes. Maybe I don't know. I think that like, so I get the believe all women, of course, but I think that the added factor that people forget or like ignore is like, and investigate like you have to do an investigation right like you can't just be like this woman said this thing and then it's like cool send him to jail it's like no believe all women means like i believe this woman enough to investigate and look into right exactly not just to be like yes not just to be like well it probably happened but whatever like Mm -hmm. they did a really thorough investigation as thorough as you know cops can do (laughs) and it seems like she kind of had a history of um trying to take money from people so yeah that's as far as i could find so like there's no hard-on proof that he was a creep i mean opinions are opinions and this relationship made people look at celine differently but like you said earlier 
why just Celine? Like, why was Celine getting the you're weird because your husband's old mm-hmm. treatment? Like, she wasn't the only one in that relationship. Right, right. So, real talk, right? Husbands as managers usually don't work out well over time. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but Renee did an excellent job. He surrounded Celine with the right producers and songwriters and let her make the big choices. Not only that, he encouraged her to try and take risks. He had been in the music game for a long time, and he knew the right people and the right moves to make. So Dion wasn't really known for any scandals, but in 2018, she started working with a children's clothing line called... We're not sure how this is pronounced. It's either Nunu. What did we say? Nunu. 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 Or as pronunciation.com wants to tell me, Nunu. And I don't think that's it. (laughs) I'm going to go with Nunu. Anyway, they make genderless baby clothes. When asked about them, Dion said, I've always loved Nununu. No. Nununun? No. Nununu. <laughs> I've always loved Nununu and what they represent. Partnering with them to encourage a dialogue of equality and possibility makes so much sense. The brand breaks stereotypes and inspires children to be free and find their own individuality through clothes. However, the ad campaign was kind of a failed one. In the promotional clip, Dion can be seen running away from the police in a hospital after she managed to change the clothes of all these newborn babies, like magically, like she just like gets in the room and like kind of snaps her <laughs> fingers. At first, the babies are wearing pink and blue outfits, you know, boy or girl outfits. And she magically changes them into outfits that are all black and white and read the words new order. These clothes also show like black stars and there's like upside down crosses hanging from the ceiling. Okay. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Um, so her team said that she was looking to liberate children from the traditional roles of boy and girl. But according to conspiracy theorists, this was the devil's work. Those uh-huh. stars on the clothing symbolize the horns of a goat commonly found in black magic. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yep. 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 It is. Oh, we should probably link that too because it's funny because like the cops are in the ad, like the cops are arresting her and she's like, don't you know who I am? I'm Celine Dion. And it's very funny. And like, I'm all for genderless <laughs> clothes, but it's just like this ad campaign wouldn't work here. It probably worked fine everywhere else. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it probably was great in like uh, Sweden or whatever. But like it, here we have too many conspiracy theorists, theorists who like, yeah. Oh my and God, probably- is that a black star? It's the devil. <laughs> And probably in like very Catholic countries, right? Because there was yeah. actually a priest uh, who condemned Celine and the brand, uh, Monsignor John Essef, right? He was a 65 year old priest with over 40 years of experience. Um, he wasn't too pleased with Celine Dion's ad campaign. Mm-hmm. In an interview with the National Catholic Register, Essef expressed disgust over the gender thing, the gender thing, mm-hmm. which he found demonic. He said, I don't even know how many genders there's supposed to be now, but there are only two that God made. The devil is going after children by confusing gender. To say that there is no difference in gender is satanic. <laughs> okay. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Dion responded by continuing to work with the designers, two Israeli women who are also mothers. So... Timmy, my biggest issue here is that a three-month-old like onesie costs thirty-five dollars. It's like, have you ever met a baby? They are messy. They're messy and they grow like that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, devil, devil be damned. A thirty-five dollar onesie? Are you kidding? (laughs) 
So our final theory about why people might hate Celine Dion so much is that she's just so damn Celine. She doesn't let her perceived flaws stop her. She's unapologetically herself. Her English is what it is. English is her second language. Get over it. But it doesn't stop her from speaking her mind. There's this idea that you can only have opinions on things if you can perfectly articulate them. This is not the case with Celine Dion. And it kind of reminds me of, do you remember when Cardi B was like interviewing Bernie Sanders? Like she was doing like a lot of political talk. Mm, no. Mm, but- okay, I'll send you some stuff because it was actually really interesting. She was like a, she went to college for a little bit. She didn't graduate, but I think she got like her associates maybe. And mm-hmm. she was doing like political science. So when the elections were happening in 2016, she was talking to Bernie Sanders about stuff. And people were using the fact that she didn't use perfect grammar to ignore the things that she was saying. It's elitist and it's harmful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Dion has passions and she shares them. She doesn't let her fear of looking too emotional stop her from sharing her truths or her opinions. In 2017, Celine Dion attended her first ever Met Gala and she was a joy, right? She was found singing in the halls, telling reporters about how she got her passport in her pocket in case she needed ID to get in. There's even a photo of her eating a hot dog in her fancy dress on the way home. I love it. Celebrities, yeah. they're just like you. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. Honestly, I'm always at the Met Gala eating hot dogs. I The only thing I wouldn't do is eat a hot dog from a street vendor. Sorry. Well, maybe. I don't know yeah. how long it's been I don't there. know if it's from a street vendor, but either it way. It was. I, I have the, a picture. I'll share it on the. Um, oh, okay. I'll share it on the Instagram. Slayton also records songs in Spanish. She covers big hits. She's covered songs by Tina Turner, Patti LaBelle, and Aretha Franklin, and Barbara Streisand. She's not afraid to take those chances. Mm-hmm. She's brave and adventurous, but is also known for being goofy and playful. She also seems very self-aware, right? She gets that sometimes she's the butt of the joke, but she's laughing too. So a perfect example of this is the song we talked about before, Ashes from Deadpool 2. So the song is a top tier Dion performance. And in the video, Dion's on stage in an empty theater, belting her heart out while a Deadpool like impersonator in heels is doing this ballet dance around her. I love it. At the end, Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool attire comes out and he's like, that was great. It was the most beautiful performance that he that he's ever seen. However, it's too good and that she would have to do it again. So he says, uh, this is this is Deadpool 2, not Titanic. You're at an 11. I'm going to need you at a five, five and a half tops. I need you to just phone it in. To which Dion responds, listen, this thing only goes to 11. So beat it, Spider-Man. All while doing that, like, hand flick under the chin. Like, it means, like, fuck you. Yeah, like, yeah, under yeah. Under your chin. What is that called? I think it's just called a hand flick. Well, she's doing, like, a hand flick under the chin. So this was all Ryan Reynolds' idea to ask her to perform. So he reached out to her people and set up a meeting. Lucky for Reynolds, like, she has a son who's a fan of Deadpool. Is he Canadian, too? Oh, my God, he is. So that's maybe, maybe he was like, hey, Canadian, fellow Canadian. I think, I think we're giving that too much credit. I think okay. that, like, there's that's- not a network of them. <laughs> like, are you, can we have to work together because you're also Canadian. Like, I think I we're giving know. that way too much credit. <laughs> It's my new conspiracy theory. <laughs> Canadians are warming they're, they're all in cahoots. Cahoots. Oh my God. That's they're all in cahoots. I love that cahoots. word. <laughs> but I feel like they would say cahoots. 
In an article titled How Deadpool 2 Recruited Celine Dion for That Emotional Power Ballad, Reynolds tells writer Devin Kogan, I think she was actually taken aback by the song as well. She's a really sort of fun personality and a really beautiful person, and I think she understood what we were trying to do. And yeah, it was fun, and there might be some slight satire to it, but the song is a really emotional song, and we needed it to land in a genuine way for the movie, first and foremost. So she got it, and I think she loved the material, and she elevated it in a way that that only she can do. So let's talk a little bit about like Celine Dion's impact on the world and society. So let's talk about her relationship with her fans. Celine is down to surprise her fans. Like she will literally show up and just surprise people. She's done it via talk show. She did it on Oprah and Rachel Ray numerous times just showing up in the studio to surprise a super fan but she also will show up early for a concert and surprise fans who are waiting in line with a little bit of a a meet and greet before the show she also finishes every show by entering the crowd to give a single rose to a lucky audience member that's cool that's so sweet but like her fans they love her back too right so a group of them actually protested outside of rolling stones offices after she was excluded from the greatest singers of all time list do you know about this do you hear yeah i remember that that came that's like i mean it was just recently and it was a big deal yeah so if you don't know um this was a list done by the rolling by the people at rolling stones it was the greatest singers of all time it was 200 people on this list it came out in january of this year of 2023 the list included like some names that you thought you would see like sizza adele aretha franklin van morrison and muddy waters who i was like i don't recall him being like known for his voice his lyrics and graveliness maybe anyway the list had some names that maybe shouldn't have been there, but also left off some pretty big names. Celine being the biggest, in my opinion. I I remember going through the list looking for her mm-hmm. and then getting really frustrated that I didn't see her and then just Googling it and seeing that ev- everyone else was like, oh, no, they snubbed her. So low key, that snub inspired this episode because I thought, wow, despite being one of the most recognizable voices and such a talent, why does Celine Dion always get disrespected? Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about her public battle with grief and infertility, right? Celine Dion's fans also have a connection with her because she's always been so open and honest about her life. She's always been upfront about her grieving process, which is something that clearly resonates with fans. When asked if she has any advice for people going through grief, she said, you cannot stop living. Go forward. Today is the first day of the beginning of your life. She also reflected on family life after her husband's death, saying, Losing my husband, for my kids to lose their father, it was quite something. I feel like Renee has given me so much through the years and still today. I see my kids. I look at them. We live with him. He's part of our lives every day. So I have to say that I feel very, very strong. She's also repeatedly opened up about motherhood and her struggle with infertility and the great sadness that she experienced when suffering a miscarriage. The couple did many rounds of IVF, which can seem endless and lonely. When Dion and Renee were trying for baby number two, she said, it's life, you know, a lot of people go through this. She said, we tried four times to have a child and we're still trying. The two did end up with twins from that fifth try. She said, I never gave up, but I can tell you that it was physically and mentally exhausting. Dion gave people hope and encouragement and brought light to a topic that some people deemed taboo, especially in the 90s. So now let's talk a little bit about what's probably her most impactful song, right? My Heart Will Go On. I mean, we can make another joke about how titanic the song My Heart Will Go On was or say that it was unsinkable, but we don't want to go overboard. <laughs> God. 
<laughs> oh, you love it. <laughs> It's like puns coming at me from all angles. (laughs) Attacks, attacks, attacks. Okay. But this song really was a game changer. The song will forever be tied to the film in a way that we'd never seen before. The Washington Post says, It is the marriage of music and image that make both song and film greater than the sum of their parts. I mean, it's no lie. Yeah. The Los Angeles Times stated that My Heart Will Go On helped make 1998 an amazing year for big pop ballads. It earned the rank of the greatest movie ballad of all time. The Atlantic pointed out that its popularity did not stem from being played at events such as high school proms, weddings, and funerals. Funerals? Okay. Yeah, I guess so. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not wrong. It's just, it's it's weird to see that lumped together with proms well, and weddings. Like, think about like, there are songs that you know, like, from like there's the end of the road by boys to men mm-hmm. that song is like a really popular funeral song candle in the wind did you ever is a watch huge... did you ever watch uh i don't i feel like this wouldn't be up your alley but the kimmy schmidt show why would kimmy schmidt not be up my alley it's like created by tina fey okay well you know the part... how dare you <laughs> You know where the part where Titus shows up at that funeral and he starts singing the wrong boys to men song for a funeral? It's like he starts singing I'll make love to you. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't dead. So I watched all of that like very close together and I don't remember, but I always <laughs> want to rewatch it cuz I never finished the first the last season. And there's like a choose your own adventure. Oh really? Too. Like Ooh. like if you watch it you got to like click this to go here and you yeah. I don't know if I love that. They tried that with the uh, Black Mirror. That yeah. Time. I didn't ever watch the Black Mirror version of it, but I did watch the oh, Kimmy Schmidt one because it was just one one episode. Oh, it wasn't like a whole thing. Anyway, yeah. But that's what it reminded me of is like songs that end up being not appropriate for funerals. That show is really great. And I'm offended that you thought that I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the, the Atlantic says that it wasn't these events that made the song popular, but but that it was indelibly placed into pop culture through numerous plays on radio stations. My Heart Will Go On is one of the biggest radio hits and best-selling singles in history, having sold more than 18 million copies worldwide. It was also the best-selling single of 1998. MTV even listed My Heart Will Go On as the sixth biggest song of the 90s. Number one was Candle in the Wind. Of course, the the, <laughs> the revised version of Candle Wind, well, I'm the assuming. Diana, yeah, mm-hmm. with the Princess Diana-like version. Um, yeah. So the song had staying power. During the early stages of the pandemic, a Barcelona pianist, Alberto Gustoso, performed My Heart Will Go On for his quarantined neighbors. The quarantine clearly had us all in our feelings because the streaming numbers for this song jumped in early 2020. As of March 2023, it has over 728 million official streams in the United States. This number jumped a little bit after those rich people imploded themselves on that sub we're all terrible but like i was part of it because i streamed it too yeah i i don't have sympathy for anyone except for the son of that one guy like that was the that's the one person that i i feel bad for by his dad to go on this thing yeah like he was like oh i'll do it for father's day and yeah so that's that's the only part of that that makes me feel and it, it makes me feel like rich people don't deserve their money if they're going to do such stupid shit with it. Yeah. There's a few more, though, that I wish would do stupid things. <laughs> Elon Musk, would you like to go in a submarine? <laughs> with Mark Zuckerberg and have, like, a submarine oh cage fight? <laughs> Stop. Mark Zuckerberg is going to, like... I don't, have, you seen, have you seen Threads? I won't. I, I'm, I can't right now. It's too so, much. 
I saw, so like NYU has like a thread and oh my God, I want to send it to you because so it popped up and it's, we have a new president and the new president was sitting down with guess who? Mark Zuckerberg? Chuck Schumer. Oh, Chuck Schumer. <laughs> Chuck fucking Schumer. And I was like, yo, Chucky boy is everywhere. And I was like, I sent this to Rebecca and I clicked on it and it was like, join threads. And I clicked join and then it was like, download this app. And I just started saying no. <laughs> Put my phone down. I was like, no, 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 thank you. I won't be doing that. No, no, thanks. So not, I'm not, not getting any more apps. I, I'm going to be out of the loop. I'm going to be out of the thread and the twitter i just i'm I'm not downloading anything else i'm like the band on the titanic (laughs) going down with twitter (laughs) it's gonna be you and elon musk and he's gonna be trying to charge you money (laughs) just just the two of you you're like oh you're the only person here so you have to pay for half of this he's gonna send you bills (laughs) well not only did celine dion change music uh on the sea but also she changed it in the desert that's a beautiful segue there that's a beautiful segue thank you for writing it (laughs) (laughs) uh no but her las vegas multi-year residency in 2003 revitalized her career and it also jump-started the trend for other artists Cher, shania twain britney spears mariah carey jennifer lopez elton john all of them each set up their own residencies shortly after tian found success doing so as her manager, Renee understood that once you attained a certain status, the fans will come to you. I really like that. It's like, I'll be in this one place. You come here. Mm-hmm. So like, like we had said earlier, like this was a really big game changer for the way that people toured and who's able to perform. It was a huge boost for tourism in Las Vegas. One such resident is Adele and she's like super grateful. Adele told an interviewer that she doesn't like touring and said she can be situated in one place for weeks on end and that solves the issue. Yeah, and she's got a kid too, so it's like you can stay in one place. You don't have to be on a bus or a plane up and down. Like it makes breaking sense. Down a set, putting up a set, it does make a lot of sense. And that's a relatively cheap destination, or you can find ways yeah. to make it a cheap destination. I think that tickets are expensive. I know when they first started, they were expensive, but like you could build a whole vacation out of it, and, right? You know, I know like Usher is doing a residency there now too. Like it's Katy Perry too. Like it's super popular now. Dion's impact can also be felt beyond Las Vegas. She's known for her charity works. Celine Dion donates her time and money to fight against cystic fibrosis and has for the last 30 years. Uh, This cause is close to her heart as her niece, Corrine, passed away from cystic fibrosis at only 16 years old. Dion is also on the board of the Fondacion Achille (laughs) Tanguay. No. (laughs) I don't know. Of the Fondacion Achille Tanguay. Tanguay. Anyway, it's an organization. <laughs> it's an organization that helps poor Quebec families become self self sufficient. Dion and her husband uh, also established the Celine Dion Foundation in 1999. It's a foundation that has donated to organizations such as the American Heart Association and Special Olympics. Dion has also donated her voice by speaking out against the slow response of rescue efforts for Hurricane Katrina victims. She also, like we said before, donated a million dollars to the American Red Cross to help those people in New Orleans get out after the hurricane. She spoke out again during the George Floyd protests, saying, we must be anti-racist. It's hard to find the words, the tragedy, the injustice breaks my heart. 
I can't even begin to imagine what George Floyd's family is going through. As many have already said, it's not enough to be non-racist. You must be anti-racist. Change is long overdue. Racism and brutality must end. It's everyone's problem, everyone's fight. And I pray together that we can find peace. I think going back to what you would, one of the like controversial things that we had heard about her, you know, from that like Opie and Anthony nonsense Mm -hmm. was like, like this is her like actually listening and engaging back with the community actively and, and not dismissing things and not patronizing Mm -hmm. individuals or uh, an entire community. So, Mm -hmm. or just like turning up a blind eye and being like, well, that's, that's mm-hmm. black people's problems you know like that's not right. my problem she could easily or do that's that america's problem because she's not even america like she could easily be like well america's crazy and like move on but like she lives here now so it's it's everybody's problem you know mm-hmm. um so we're gonna shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about what celine dion's career has looked like for her financially speaking and we've kind of mentioned a little of this throughout but uh most recently in 2020 billboard listed her as the third most paid musician of that year with earnings of approximately $17.5 million. She was actually the second highest paid female artist, and Taylor Swift took the top spot, followed by Post Malone in the number two spot. Post Malone? I think that was specific to 2020, but I don't know. No, it's, yeah, of that year. So, not of all time. Okay. I'm just like, the fuck did he do in 2020? (laughs) Everything. Post Malone. Do they mean Postmates? he's all right but like the second spot yeah of money making (sighs) that's what the stats say that's all i can tell you listen all right i'll keep my opinions about that i already gave you them but i won't elaborate (laughs) on how else i feel about that okay so let's talk about awards so fun fact Celine Dion has been nominated for a total of 481 awards and has won 240 of them. Wow. It's pretty good. It's pretty good average, right? Mm-hmm. There's even a Wikipedia page dedicated completely to the awards and nominations that she has received. She's won five Grammys, 12 World Music Awards, seven Billboard Music Awards, six American Music Awards, 20 Juno Awards presented by the Canadian Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, 50 Felix Awards for artists working in the music industry in Quebec and more. In 1982, at the age of 14, she won her first two awards at the 13th Yamaha World Popular Song Festival in Tokyo. We mentioned this before, but those Mm. awards were for Outstanding Song Award and the Maestro Award for Best Artist. Six years later, in 1988, she won the Eurovision Song Contest with the song Ne Partez Pas Sans Moi. But, you say, Canada isn't in Europe. What gives? Well, she actually sang for Switzerland because at that point there was no requirement that the artist chosen to represent a country had to be from that country. Do you know what? When I saw that earlier, I was just like, I don't know why she represented Switzerland and I don't want to take time to figure it out. But I'm so glad you did. And that's ridiculous. What? She could have just been like from Japan or something. Like, what? That's insane. Yeah, well, Japan's also not in Europe, so no, but like, yeah. Oh, sorry, it's Eurovision. <laughs> <laughs> what what happened to Switzerland? Were they just like, oh, no, we don't have anybody this year? Or were they like, oh, my God, this person beat us to it. Like, they got their application in before us. <laughs> I have no idea how it went down, but I was just like, so wait, funny. you don't have to be from, like, that seems to me to defeat the whole 
purpose of Eurovision, yeah. but like, okay. All right, <laughs> anyway, now weird. the requirements are changed and you do actually have to be from that country. I bet Switzerland was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's this. <laughs> well, they won that year, so at least they got that. <laughs> I mean, but what if there was like a Swiss person who was like, I wanted oh, it to be yeah, me. yeah, I got you. I and got it you. went to like this this French. Like, she took it. She took it to Canada with her. She didn't leave it there. <laughs> she wasn't like, yay, I'm from here now. Yeah, right. And I represent you guys. She was just like, thanks for this award. Bye. She was also 13. Whatever. Anyway, sorry, Switzerland. 20. You guys figured it out. She was 20. Oh, then how dare she? <laughs> how dare she? <laughs> she was old enough to know better. She was old enough to know she wasn't Swiss. <laughs> Enjoy your cheese, bitches. I'm taking this award and going home. So, Celine, she has two different she has two different stars on Walks of Fame. The Canadian one and the Hollywood one. I want to find her Hollywood one. And I'm very interested in what the Canadian Walk of Fame looks like. Yeah. I feel like it's through the woods. <laughs> it's like that thing in, in um, the Brooklyn Botanical Garden with the like yes! leaves with all the famous Brooklynites. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's maple so, leaves specifically. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's super clean, but it's just in the woods. Anyway, so she's got the two stars. She's also got two honorary doctorates, one from Laval University and the other one from, you guessed it, Berkeley College of Music. I feel like they're just handing out these honorary doctorates left and right, huh? <laughs> they're like, their whole thing is music. And they're like, if you succeeded in music, but for some reason you didn't come here, we'll just give you one. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, we could do a whole podcast on her awards and honors. There are so many, but we'll just mention a couple more before we wrap up. In 2013, she was awarded the highest rank of the Order of Canada by the Governor General of Canada. In 2016, she received an Icon Award at the Billboard Music Awards. And in 2018, she won the International Style Icon Award at the Canadian Arts and Fashion Awards. So we're going to wrap it up, but I just want to give a weird bit of impact. I've heard this forever, but I thought it was like a, an overbloated joke. But like Caribbean people love Celine Dion. And I was like, mm, okay, maybe. But then I did some research and learned that it's all true. So in an article titled Nice and Easy Listening, Why Jamaica Loves Celine Dion and Air Supply, writer Erin McLeod dives into why. She talks to Walter Elmore, who was who has been the producer of the Jamaica Jazz and Blues Festival for about two decades. Elmore is responsible for convincing Celine Dion to come to Jamaica in 2012. This event was so popular that it nearly closed roads as tens of thousands rushed to the stadium in the middle of a rural Tawani that hadn't been so full since the Cricket World Cup of 2007. Rose Marjorie Hosung, age 70, a retired registered nurse from Jamaica, was at the concert. She says, Even I was amazed at the response of the Jamaicans to her. It took people three or four hours to get a few miles. She was just so down to earth. She was very, very humble, and so the people just embraced her. Even she didn't realize people loved her so much. So Celine's music has been described as the perf as perfect for dance hall settings because much of its music programming involves around slow jams played in contrast to heavier dance beats. Her music has actually inspired many reggae covers. Ghost, who is a well-known dance hall legend, has a cover of My Heart Will Go On. It is amazing, and I would love to play it, but I feel like we might get sued. So it is on the Big Reputations playlist on Spotify. Please listen to it. Like, it is amazing. Like, I definitely was bopping to it last night. It's so good. All right, I'll check it out.
All right. So final thoughts, takeaways. So I feel like I love Celine's music, but I do remember a time where it was like super uncool to talk about it. So he was just like a secret fan and like didn't talk about it much. Um, I enjoy that her silliness annoys people because people suck. You know, there are people who can't stand for others to be happy. And I love how she doesn't let anybody change that about her. I also love that she hasn't let the industry force her to quote unquote reinvent herself like there are certain artists like every year there's someone different their sound is completely different and Celine is like this music makes me happy I'm gonna keep doing it and I don't need a new sound every record the people love it what about you well as I said Celine Dion was the first person I saw in concert or at least the first big name artist right and I, I loved it her music definitely always had me up in my feels at that point in my life you know 15 mm-hmm but then I remember suddenly that it was this thing that she wasn't cool, like you were mentioning. Um, and then that she was a failure because she was playing in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. That was also something that was brought up. But like, what was such a failure about it? It was something that worked for her. She got to do what she loved without the pressure of touring. And like, this is a weird parallel, I guess, but I kind of relate. Not that I can sing at all and. But, like, people are always saying that I should try for, like, a tenure-track assistant professorship. Like, it's superior to being a lecturer because it's, like, a research position. Mm -hmm. But, like, the lecturer position works for me. It gives me what I like the most about being in higher ed, which is a chance to really work with the students. And a residency gave Celine what she really wanted, which was to be able to sing and not have to travel all over the place. So I, I think looking back on that, I just have so much more respect for that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like sometimes your comfort zone is your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like it's where you grow the most and it's where you feel, for lack of better word, comfortable. Like it's yeah. your fit. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about some resources and references. So there's one. Uh, the Oral History of Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On, Controversies, Doubts, and Belly Pains in the Studio by Mickey Rapkin. Let's Talk About Love, Why Other People Have Such Bad Taste by Carl Wilson. People Who Like Celine Dion Are People Too by Ian Crouch. Celine Dion, My Story, My Dream by Celine Dion herself. Celine Dion Snub, Ignorant, Ignorance or a Rolling Stone Bid for Hate Clicks by Morgan Becker. Can I just say, why can't we just name articles like regular anymore? I feel like you need to, it's a synopsis. Oh, yes, I hate it too. And yeah, also, like the their punctuation or like their maybe this is just me being a snobby academic and i should get over it's a really long run-on sentence yeah the run-on sentence but also the capitalization like learn how to capitalize a title of something like you're supposed to capitalize the first letter of each word and i just it it's such a pet peeve when i find and it's not just like it's not just like some joe's blog right like the new york times does this shit too yeah, I don't know. I just, I just wish that it was like, like just you think of a clever title that's like succinct. Yes, not be something succinct. That's, yeah, not oh. something that's like this is a whole summary of it, so you can. I guess maybe that's maybe it's a combination of like how far we've come in like being short sighted. Like we have our attention span is like two seconds, right? So mm-hmm. it's like I need to know if I want to read this article or not. So you need to tell me that I want to read it by the title. Yeah, I hate it. I don't. I do too. But I, I just hate that. Like that. 
fucking titles are so long and it's like this sounds so stupid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway do you agree with us let us know what you thought of this episode and how you feel about titles of things you hate it too let us know do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out or do you have a suggestion for a woman that we should cover in the future Follow the podcast on Twitter at Big Rep Pod and Instagram and TikTok at Big Reputations Pod. Send us a message or email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, near, far, or wherever they are. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in the Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we have a Patreon now, patreon.com slash bigreputationspod, or just check out the link in our Linktree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you will get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, Paula Cole. Stick around after the episode where we'll share a teaser from that little rep episode. All right, Kim, let's wrap up. What quote do you have for us? So I have one from Celine Dion, of course, and it's, I've never been cool and I don't care. Fuck yeah. (laughs) And as always, believe women. Music and theater were a big part of her life. She attended Rockport High School and performed in various school plays. She was also the president of her senior class. Ooh. Popular kid. Right? (laughs) I wonder if she ran on, like, free pizza on Fridays. That would get you, like, an instant vote, right? I feel like that was more elementary school. By high school, they realized you weren't actually going to get them that pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she did a fantastic job as president.